Thus the title for, wow, that's loud, for today's uh, lesson is Can You Hear Me Now? And uh, I think back of uh, the old commercials and, yeah, can you hear me now? You know, let me try to find a better place to stand, you know. And uh, I wonder how often God is saying, can you hear me now? Are you, are, do, you, do you get it? And uh, that's what we're going to go with, is uh, can you hear God in your life and what you're doing? Uh, I want to, you know, last time I was here, I had several friends here uh, and, and uh, my roommate from the Emmaus Walk. And today I have another special friend with me. If you didn't get a chance to meet him yet, he's in the middle, uh, Mr. Tom Polly. And uh, Tom was with me on the Emmaus Walk as well. Uh, Tom was one of the first people uh, at the end. They let me speak, which, you know, uh, was just an amazing opportunity. And, and Tom was one of the first people that came up and, and gave me a hug and said, there's your first sermon. Uh, and I, I'll never forget that. That meant a lot to me to, to get his support and, and have him come up and just love on me on a guy I only met for you know, three days, and now he's like my best friend. So uh, I'm, I'm so thankful to, to have Tom in my life now. Uh, so get a chance before he leaves, you know, shake his hand and, and give him a hug or something. Uh, we'll go from there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we go into the rest of the sermon. You know, God, we, we come to you and, uh, and we read your word. We pray to you, and then oftentimes at the end, we're, we're wondering, where are you? you know, how come you're not doing the things we're asking? Or, or you know, what is it that I'm, I'm not doing right? Or am I just a bad person? And, you know, what, what I do wrong to deserve this? And, and you're just sitting there with your arms open wide saying, I love you. And that's something that never changes. And we have this perspective that we need to change about our lives. We need to look at your word and, and see how you're speaking to us. We're not just reading a, a bunch of stories. Or we're reading your words to us. And you're speaking to us each and every day as we pick up that word. And when we pray to you, we need to expect answers. And whether sometimes it's no, yes, or not right now, it's still an answer. And we submit to your will. So I pray that as we look at this lesson today, we have a different view of you, of how you really should be in our lives, and how we can be different, different than what we see in the world. And we have these young people that are getting ready to leave high school and they're going to go out into the real world and they're going to get shocked if they already have it. They're going to run into things that maybe the uh, security of high school did not prepare them for because it's different when you're out there on your own. And, and we learn from the prodigal son how he thought, you know, hey, just give me my inheritance. I'm going to go and take care of my wife. And and he squandered it, thinking he knew best until he had to come back home. 
We don't pray that for our kids. We pray that our, our, our kids can embrace life, but do it properly by giving their lives to you in the process. And that's up to us to teach them that. And if we're not teaching our kids that, we can't be surprised when things go awry. That's not saying that what we tell people is, is, is going to sink home. We all have our own decisions we have to make about whether we're going to follow you or not. But we got to lay the foundation. we got to be the examples. And that only comes from having a relationship with you. So, Father, I, I give this sermon to you. Keep me out of the way. It, this is not my sermon. This is yours. May you speak. And may your word be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. How often we go through life like that video. We wake up, we're going to work or we're going to school. You know, we get out of school and we get out of work and what are we going to do around the house? I got to maybe mow. I uh, got to go hang out with my friends. We're going to go to a ball game. Uh, we're going to make a trip down to Louisville and see a band. And, and, and we come back home and, oh gosh, we didn't clean the dishes and we'll get that done. How come you didn't clean your room? Go clean your room. Uh, and, and then we're, we're laying down and we're saying, you know, God, uh, you know, bless me as I sleep. Um, where have you been? And, and I've had all these problems and these things in my life and I don't have an answer yet. And, and then we, we blame it on God. We blame Him for all this. We're, we're just like, God, where are you? And really, the real question is, God is asking you today, where are you? Because I've always been here. His hand is not too far. His ear is not too far. All you have to do is take hold of it. But see, I, I think we bought into a lie several years ago when, when they came out with that campaign that God was our co-pilot. And that was the biggest scam ever as far as deceiving God's holy people. Because God is never going to be your co-pilot. He's either leading and piloting the ship or it's sinking. You know, the disciples were on a boat and the weather got kind of rough and they're just like, Jesus, we're going to die. Game over, Ripley. You know, and, and what happens? Jesus is like, what are you, you're just worried about this wind? <laughs> there, how's that? And he goes back to sleep. You, know, you have Jesus right there, but we go through life and we're in a panic. What's the problem? What's going on? We're not listening to God. Our key scripture today is out of John 10, verses 3 and 4. And it reads, The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he was brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. I don't know if you know... Uh, anything about shepherds and their sheep. But they, the, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. Alright? And when he goes, let's go, they go. They're going to follow that shepherd. If you had, if I had my sheep and Jeff had his sheep and 
You know, Roger had his sheep, and they were all out here, and you guys were all the sheep. And those of you that know my voice, you know, if Roger went, you know, here, you guys, I don't know that voice. And I go, and you come to me because you know my voice. And the sheep that Jeff had would come to Jeff. They wouldn't come to me. And, and Roger's sheep, those sheep are going to come to Roger because those are his. They're not going to come to me or Jeff. You know, a sheep knows his master's voice. So why are we going, God, where are you? Because we're not really listening. You know, we have God in that co-pilot seat, really. He's not really the shepherd. He's not really leading where we need to go. That takes me into a, a couple of things. We, we ask God for a lot. Okay, we pray for sickness, we pray for finances, we pray for job, we pray for spouse, we, we pray for a lot of things. But I think our main problem when we're asking God is you're taking a quarter out of your pocket or a dollar bill, depending on what inflation does, and you're putting it into a vending machine and you're pulling a lever and expecting God to respond. God is not going to be your vending machine. He's not. He never was. It wasn't meant to be a vending machine. You, you know, you may go to your mom and dad and say, "I need twenty bucks," and they may give it to you, but they're not a vending machine. You know, God's not a vending machine, and we treat him like that. The real question is not so much are you asking, but are you inquiring? And if you did the reading this week. You'll see in 1st and 2nd Samuel that David inquires of the Lord at least nine different times. All right? He inquires of the Lord. And the one I want to focus on is in 1st Samuel 23, verses 1 through 4. It says, When David was told, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Talia and are looting the threshing floors. He inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, Go, attack the Philistines and save Kaliah. But David's men said to him, Wait a minute, here in Judah we're afraid. How much more than if we go to Kaliah against the Philistine forces? Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Kaliah, for I am going to give the Philistines to your hand. So David and his men went to Kalia, fought the Philistines, and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Kalia. He inquired of the Lord and God answered. And if we really inquire of the Lord, he will answer. He really will. He'll answer in, in ways that, you know, that our problem is when we inquire... We want God to answer it our way. And it doesn't work that way. God's ways are not our ways. We don't think like God does. You know, when you get into the story of, of, of Joseph, and at the end, he's like, you know, here's Joseph that... Do I got the right person, Joseph? Yeah, I got to make sure. I get, I get these J's all confused. It's like Jeff's family, you know. Jeff, Jenny, Jonah, just... Uh, I get all the J's confused. So... <laughs> How that all works. But so Joseph is, you know, beat up by his brothers, thrown into a hole, sold, accused of rape, thrown in jail, is left in jail for seven years. And at the end, he said, 
You guys thought this was for bad, but God is using it for good. And that's how we are. I mean, and you got to think somebody like, like Joseph would have had a bad attitude. Take David in this whole week. What's happening to David this whole week if you're studying, if you're in 1 Samuel? David's on the run. All right? He, he gets anointed by Samuel. He kills Goliath. And then he has to run for his life the next five days of reading. You know? And you're going, what? I mean, okay, wait, hold a minute. Samuel, you just like anointed me. I just slayed Goliath. And now I'm running for my life because Saul's trying to kill me. All right? And so David's on the run through all of this. And David was being hunted down by Saul at this time. When he's inquiring of the Lord, do I go take on the Philistines real quick and, and save Kalia? And, and God's like, go. You know, I'm pretty sure that when we feel God's calling us to go somewhere, we should go and not fight it. Because it's a losing battle anyway if you don't. All right? God's going to get you there one way or the other. And we need to follow the Lord's calling. But, you know, inquire of God. Really inquire of God. Don't, don't drop a quarter into God or, or a dollar and pull the handle. Really inquire of God and ask Him, what do you really want for my life? Where do you really want me? You know? And, and that, that takes having that kind of heart. But we don't. We're, and, and, and the travesty of this is we teach our kids. You know, hey, you got to get ready for college. You better start saving. You better get a summer job. you got to save money for college. What are you going to do? What, what decision? What are you going to study? You know, you need, you need to go to a school so that you make a lot of money when you graduate. And we've not said a darn thing about God to them. And we wonder why our kids are screwed up. We wonder why people are making the decisions that they're making and they're so lost with it. Because we're not teaching them about God. We're not teaching them to inquire of the Lord. We're not teaching them to listen. What is, uh, it's a, it, we fail as parents. We really do. You know, now some of you, if your kids have come out great, that's awesome if they've taken care of themselves. I've heard some wonderful stories, but a lot of those wonderful stories that I've been told about are kids that were grown up with the Lord and were taught the Lord and taught to respect the Lord and they participated with the Lord. Okay? But, you know, if you look at society as a whole right now, kids are just running rampant. And they're making decisions they shouldn't be making. And it's because we're not teaching them how to make the decisions right. God is not part of the equation. You know, if you look, if you've been going through the, the Old Testament through this study so far, you see a culture of people that grew up with the Lord. Literally to where, you know, you got the tent of meeting that followed them and God was there in the fire and cloud of smoke. And I mean, these people understood what it was to live with God. And God wants a relationship. And somehow in the course of history, we got away from it. Even to the point where we're like, well, you know, there's some good stories in here. It, it's a good book of stories. And we're like, wait a minute. Hebrews says well, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And we're telling people, it's just a story. You know, one of, one of my friends uh, who has been, 
I don't want to give away the denomination, but he's a higher up in his denomination. We'll, we'll just put it that way. And my brother and I asked him about um, the Bible and the stories. You know, well, what do you think about David and Goliath? And what do you think? Oh, well, those are, those are good stories, but they didn't really happen. It's just stories we teach people. And I'm like, God's word either is or it isn't. It's, it's not a book of stories, people. It's documents. It's, it's documented things that actually happened. Jesus really was on earth. He really did die for you. You know, he really did. So when are we going to start inquiring? When are we going to really start taking God serious in our lives? Unfortunately, I didn't really start, you know, on, I mean, maybe in my early years in college, I took God seriously. And then that video came into my life where Satan used the world take me away. And that's why one of my favorite scriptures is in the early part of Jeremiah when it says, remember the devotion of your youth, how you used to follow me through a land not sown. And I think about that with my life so often because there's a big span between my late 20s and 50s. <sighs> 50s. <sighs> yeah, but there's a span there. <laughs> Got me, huh? There's a span there where I'm going, man, I was, I was that lady. I was just running through life and not taking God seriously at all. And then every time something bad came up, I was like, God, where are you? And I was like, right here. When are you going to trust me? When are you going to give it to me? And we don't. We don't really inquire of the Lord like we should. Um, if you go down, uh, also in our reading, we went to Psalms 116, 1 through 6, uh, and it reads as follows. He says, he heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord, and the Lord saved me. The, grace, the Lord is gracious and righteous, or God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary, and when I was brought low, he saved me. And David's writing a lot of these psalms when, when, when Saul is chasing him down and hunting him in the deserts, and he's going from land to land. You know. And what's really cool is if you think about the life of David as we're going through this in Samuel, you know, David spent most time, he has, you know, he's on the run from Saul, and he's like, where is he? And here he comes, and Saul, and I'm going to go over here, because Saul's over here now, so I'm, you know. And David is about as close to God as you can be. He calls on God night and day. He's inquiring of the Lord. He's praying to the Lord. If you go through Psalms, David just empties his heart in Psalms. Why, God, 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 I'm with you, I'm with you. I need you, I need you. You're here, you're here. And David's just throwing his heart out to God all while he's on the run. When did David screw up? David screwed up after he was king and he was back over here standing on a roof going, hey, that's pretty cute. All right? David screws up when he's not on the run anymore. And that's why I think scriptures like James that says, consider pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. And we don't want to face trials. I hate trials. But trials, I was talking to a friend the other night. He said, maybe that trial is a bell for prayer. Maybe your trials are your bell for prayer. That should give you the alarm that you need to start talking to God. You need to start inquiring of the Lord. 
All right? God puts things in our life to keep us close to Him. And you've got to think, if you're not close to God, and you're closer to Satan, things kind of go easy for you. You know, really weird has that, you know, how many times we go, I can't believe that person is just, look at the sin that they do, and they got all that money, and they're terrible, and they do this, and, and they don't have any problems. They'll have a problem after they die, I'll tell you that. They're going to have problems that you won't have. And just because somebody is making it because they're living in the wicked way. And if you go through the readings that we've gone through this week, and you'll see the wicked prosper now and later falter while we trust in the Lord throughout. You know, I I don't think Randy would be here today without prayer and inquiring of the Lord. All right? I I think Randy's a, a classic example of how prayer works of inquiring of the Lord. You know, and all of us praying together for each other. You know, we need to seriously inquire of the Lord in what we do. My second point comes down to listening versus hearing. I don't think we have a hearing problem. It's a listening problem. And there's a difference because you all hear me today, all right? Because I could probably talk without the microphone and you'd still hear me. Okay, you guys can all hear me today. Anybody not hear me? All right, everybody can hear me. That's good. So you can hear me, but are you listening? There's a difference. You know, I could get your attention, clap my hands, and there, you know, people will drop their phone and go, oh, sorry, I was reading, you know, ESPN or Facebook, you know. But I got, I got your attention. Okay? It, it's not a hearing problem. It's a listening problem. What are you really listening to? And see, when you go back to that video earlier, she, you know, we listen to everything that's going on in life. We listen to what people are telling us. You know, listen to what you, we're telling our kids. You know, going back to that. Oh, you got to get a job. You got to do this. You got to do that. Where is God in any of that? I had a chance when we were on our Emmaus walk talking with a friend of ours. Uh, his name's Sean. Uh, and, and we were talking to Sean, and Sean uh, plays soccer. He's a really good soccer player. Uh, he says he gets, you know, in, in terms of soccer, he gets 6,000 touches a day. That means kicking the ball 6,000 times. Okay, if you know anything about soccer, you've got to kick the ball. It, and that's the thing. I've got to get 6,000 touches in a day. But he didn't know where soccer fell in his life. He really didn't. He didn't know where soccer fell. And he's like, what do I do? He says, you know, here it is. Uh, you know, God's calling me. God wants me to do some things. And, and, and i got soccer, and it, it doesn't make sense. And, and how do I do that? And, and I just told him, I, I said, you know, Sean... I don't think it's that God doesn't want you to play soccer. He wants to know who's getting the glory. Are you going to play soccer for God or are you going to play soccer for yourself? And he just dropped his head and knew what he had to do. And he's been in prayer and oddly enough his Facebook posts have changed since that Emmaus walk where it's not all about you know, the awards anymore. It's about giving glory to God and what he's doing. And I said, I said, Sean, you be the best Christian soccer player there is. You know, if you're going to play soccer, play soccer for the Lord. Give 100% for him. 
Guys, if you're going to be in band in college, or if you're going to go be a nurse, or if you're going to play basketball in college, uh, or if you're going to do anything, any other activity as you go on, kids, you'd be the best you can be for God. And give God the glory in what you're doing. And I'm telling you, you'll be blessed. There's a story of, a, of and, and I told my oldest son this, and he didn't believe me, but there, there was a, a trumpet player. And my oldest son is a big trumpet player. He loves the trumpet. Um, but this is actually kind of cool, too, because it happened to him. But uh, this trumpet player, and, and he, he was told he was going to be great. He said, but you've got to give it to God if you're going to be great at this. Or else God's not going to be able to bless you. And this guy's like, you know, I don't have time for God. And a couple years later, he comes back, and he never really did make it. And he turned his life over to God before he did it. You know, and, and oddly enough, that actually translates to my, my oldest son. Um, and I wish he was here because I could just give him a big hug. But two years into college, and, and you know, my son gives me this phone call. And in, and in high school, and, and I don't think he'd be upset if I told you this, but in high school, he did not want anything to do with church. He was a trumpet player, oddly enough. A really good trumpet player. Uh, gold medals and stuff like that. He did really well. But he didn't really want anything to do with the Lord for a while. Colin was actually the first one we baptized in our family. Uh, and uh, Will was second. But that was what was really weird because I'm down, I was working a promotion for my job and I get this call at 10 o'clock at night and, you know, Albert, do you get your Bible with you? I said, well, I'm at a racetrack. No, <laughs> you know, I was doing some stuff for work. And he says, well, can we get together and talk? And I'm like, man. He's talking Bible stuff. He says, I got questions about the Bible. And I just figured it was going to turn south and be bad. And I didn't know what to expect. And so I said, well, I get done here at 11 o'clock. I'll meet you at Burger King. And we sat at Burger King in North Vernon until like 2 o'clock in the morning. They closed and let us stay. Praise the Lord. And, and his first words out of his mouth is, let me tell you about my story of faith. And I just melted. And he just talked about his journey of how God has led him even to the point where he's talking about giving up playing the trumpet and doing something else in ministry. And I just, you know, I, I remember calling Christy and I was crying on the phone and I was, you know, such a turnaround. God, you know, I planted the seed and God got hold of them a different way. You know, but God's word never comes back void. You know, and, and that's the way it is. So we gotta be listening to God. 1 Samuel 15, 7 through 11. It says, Saul attacked the Amalekites all the way from Havlia to Shur. And I probably didn't say that right. But near the eastern border of Egypt, he took Agai, king, or, uh, Agag, king of the Amalekites, alive. And all of his people he totally destroyed with the sword. But Saul and his army spared Ag and, and the best of his sheep and cattle, the fat calves and lambs, everything that was good. Uh, these they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak they totally destroyed. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I regret that I made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Well, was God upset? They won. We won. We won the war. But he didn't listen. And we do that with God. You know, God, and, and there's a scripture, Jeff and I, Pastor Jeff and I were talking about it, that one scripture that scares the tar out of both of us 
is the scripture that says, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons? And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. A lot of times we think we're doing right because of the things we're doing, but we don't have a relationship with our Savior. It's not about what you do, it's how you live. And whether you're living for Jesus or not. And so Saul, he's all upset. He's just like, what? We won. And God's like, you didn't do what I told you to do. You didn't listen. You know, have have we ever told our children that? You know, why am I in trouble? Because you didn't listen. You didn't listen to what we told you to do. You know, I didn't say partially clean your room. I said clean your room. You know, listening. All right? You got you to listen to what you're being told to do. And God tells us a lot if you read this. And I think that's the scary thing. You know, early on, before I got into ministry, there was a scripture that kind of scared me away from ministry where it said, teachers, pastors, and those guys are going to be judged more harshly. And I'm like, okay. I ain't teaching nobody, man. I'm staying under the radar, you know. That whole having to live for God thing and getting judged more harshly, if I don't have to teach people, I don't have to worry about it. And look, I'm like here preaching in front of you, so God, you know, obviously had different plans. You know, and and that's, you know, we, we like to think that we have these, you know, God, that's a great idea. But let me, let me make it a little bit better for you, okay? I, I could, you know, let me do this a little bit better for you, God. You know, and we think we can make God's plans better, and it doesn't work that way. God's ways are not your ways. When are we going to get that one through our heads? I don't know. We suffer with that. You know, he didn't do what he said. You know, Jesus says in John 8, 31 and 32, He says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You've got to hold to the teachings if you're really his disciples. What's that mean? What's it mean to hold to his teachings? You mean, I actually got to follow this book? Well, wait a minute. If I follow that book, then... That kind of changes how I do things, doesn't it? If you really follow God's word, will it not change how you handle life situations and the things that you do? Because it's not about you. It's not about me. You know, God says, if you're really my disciples, you'll hold to my teachings. So I don't care if you're casting out demons and prophesying in my name. I don't care about that. He says, you're not following me. You know, they were first called Christians in Antioch, and it was, you know, as Pastor Jeff said, it was a derogatory term to be a Christian. You know, oh, Christian. You know, now we get criticized because we're judgmental and rude to people instead of Christ-like loving. But, you know, it is what it is. All right, but, you know, are we really living for Christ? Are we a Christ follower? To be a Christian is to be a follower of Christ. Are we following his teachings? If he says you should not do this because it's a bad thing, you know, if you think about it, you go through the Old Testament, and, and while we're going through the Old Testament, you know, it, a couple of weeks or months back, you saw all these, you better not do this, you better not do this, and it seemed like a bunch of rules, but if you look at them, you're going, 
You know, there is a reason God didn't want you to do those things. Because if you look at them and you actually did them, it would hurt you. You know, it would hurt you to do some of the, you know, if you go back and look and say, wow, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've read something and, and I've gone through and just, wow. God's just trying to protect you. I like, you know, Andy Stanley says it really well. He says, you know, <laughs> and I like his challenge, but I don't like his challenge. But Andy Stanley says a lot of times, whether you believe in God or not, if you follow the guidelines of the Bible, you'll be better off. If you put the things that, just from wisdom standpoint alone, if you didn't even believe God and said, okay, this is just a book of wisdom, you would still be a better off person if you put these things in your life. The problem is, is without Christ, you can't put those things in your life because you're too selfish. We're all too selfish. Because we all want it for us. You know, on to John 10, 25 and 30, it says, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you did not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify me, testify about me. But you do not believe them because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Give the eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands. I am the Father of one. But the sheep listen to my voice. You know, I'll, always, I'll get this with the kids a lot of times. They'll, they'll ask a question. I say, what does the Bible say? I don't know. Well, read it. Read it. That'll be your answer. You know, we had a, a kid uh, the other day. It was, it was a really tough conversation. But they, they came up and were talking to Christy and I privately. Um, and the question was, if I believe what you read to me, then my family is probably going to go to hell. I said, well, I didn't say your family was going to go to hell. But when she read the scripture and how they were living their life and how God says to live your life, they weren't the same. And so you can only think that if they're not following Jesus, then who are they following? But you've got to be in the Word to do that. And that's why I encourage the kids. I don't, I don't ever want to sit there and just tell you what to do. I read the Bible. You don't have to listen to me. Always like Paul said, you know, you know, you know be like the Bereans, more noble character. Study the Scriptures every day to see if what I said is true. You know, don't take me at my word. Open up the book and find out. You know, if you're not reading along with us, pick it up now and start reading along with us. You're going to be shocked. You know, but as Henry Blackerby said in Experience of God, you can't be in the Bible and stay where you're at. You can't. If you start reading this thing, it's going to change your life. It's going to change how you do things. It really will. It'll challenge your decisions and jobs and, and so many different things. I've quit jobs for God. You know, I was in radio back in Terre Haute uh, many years ago, and I was a reporter, and um, we had a, a gentleman in our hometown of Brazil, Indiana, that was missing in action. And my boss asked me, and, and we had people coming in from Indianapolis, and, and everybody put the heat on me, and they're like, you need to interview this guy's family. And I can't do it. 
You know, I just, I just felt a conviction from God that this wasn't the interview I was supposed to do, to, to go talk to these people about their son missing in action. You know, how do you feel? I just, it didn't make sense to me to go interview this family and ask them about their son missing in action. I just, I, I couldn't do it. And so they gave me an option of staying and going. And I said, here's my two weeks notice. I can't do it. I never left that radio station, oddly enough. They didn't let me go, and I didn't have to do the interview. They respected my stance. And then the really cool thing is right after that, they found him. He became a war hero, and I got to interview him and interview the family, and it was a time of celebration. But I stuck to my guns and wasn't going to give it up. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. You know? And, and how many of us make those same decisions? That's not saying I'm better than anybody else, because let me tell you, I've made a lot of mistakes since then, okay? I mean, I could, I could, I could keep you here till 6 o'clock for prayer meeting and tell you all the things I've done wrong since then, um, but I don't think you want that. But, so I'm, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm saying God will cause you to change your decisions in life and what you're doing if you really bring it to him and if you really listen to the calling, but so many times we fight it because it's not what we want. You know, God, you know, look at the people of Israel that we've gone through. I mean, they just, I, I still don't understand it, but I know we're not as any better. But they come through, out of Egypt, go through the Red Sea. Red Sea smashes the bad guys. They're on the other side, and what, a week into it, they're complaining? You know, God's feeding them every day with manna, and then they're like, hey, where's the steak? You know, we're the same way. Where's the steak? I don't want something better to eat than manna. And God's like, I'll give you steak. I'll give you so much quail, you're going to vomit. And he did, and they vomited. It was pretty gross. Um, so, but man, we're so not thankful people. We so want something better. We always, you know, we were talking about it today in the kids' class. And you remember, many of you should remember this saying, keep it up with the Joneses. You ever grow up with that? I grew up with that. Somebody else has something, and you're trying to keep up with them. I want what they have. You know, I want, what, I want what you have. Well, look, they got a new car. We got to go buy a new car. Oh, look, they just put new windows in their house. We better put new windows in our house. Oh, look, she planted trees. We better plant trees. You know, my case, it was sneakers. I was always like a sneaker behind everybody else. I had JCPenney specials, and, and somebody else had the Sears Converse. And then I'm like, okay, I got the Converse, and now they got Nikes. I'm like, really? Okay, and so I'm like, I need to get the Nikes, and then all of a sudden they're in Adidas, and they're in the, the, the New Balance, and, and I was like always a shoe behind everybody else. I'm like, I'll never catch up. You know, I'm chasing shoes. Give me a break. You know, John the Baptist was out there eating locusts, and I'm worried about whether I'm wearing Connie All-Stars, or, you know, and what's really funny is you see a lot of kids wearing Connie All-Stars now. They're regressing. I'm like, I still got them. Should have kept them. Yeah, it's, man, we just chase so many things because we're not really listening to God. We, we want to do it our way, and then we want to blame God when it doesn't work. You know, I think I told you guys last time I preached, I, I don't know how long I've been in the workplace, but it wasn't until I did the experience in God study that I realized God was part of my life. And I, have, I prayed with more people in six months at work than I did probably in the first 40 years of my life in, in, in the retail industry. And you're going, what do you mean, praying with people at work? Yeah, we had 
people that came in and needed prayer, so I prayed for them or prayed with them. You know, are you, are you praying with the people that you work with? You know, we had a girl the other day, actually, uh, since she's not here right now, she was here in church when I preached last time, but she came to work a couple weeks ago after I preached, and she was in tears. And, and I didn't know it, and my friend, my other friend Jeff, I got like four Jeffs in my life, uh, but my other friend Jeff came up and he grabbed me by the arm and he said, we gotta go pray. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? And so this girl you know, needed prayer, and so we went out back and we prayed. And she, was, she thought she was going to get fired. She thought she was going to lose her job. Uh, and we just prayed, Satan away. And you know, at the end of the day, she still had a job. And she was crying tears of joy at the end. Because everything she was worried about did not come to pass. It was all lies, because God is not a liar. Satan is. And we believe the lies so many times, just like Adam and Eve. You know? I don't know. That kind of brings me to the last point. Who is Lord? Who really is Lord? Let's go to 1 Samuel 17, verses 45 and 47. I love this. David is just one... Man, if David doesn't fire you up... I don't know. David, David, David needs to fire you up. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give it all into your hands. What kind of faith is that? If we could go out there and say, today's battle is for you, God. I'm going to work for you. And whatever I do, in word and deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Are you taking God with you? David goes in and says, look, you can throw anything you want at me, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. What are you going to do about it? Do we go to God? Do we go and face the world with God and wake up? Or do we wake up on Monday morning and go, oh, it's Monday. I'm tired. I don't want to go to work. You know? But no, God says, get up and go. Fight this battle. You know, when are we going to start requesting prayer? I mean, I mean, there are people that request prayer. I'm not saying that you don't. But a lot of us keep it private. A lot of us just kind of keep our problems to ourselves. My wife will tell you that about me. I've had more conversations at the breakfast table with my wife that she hasn't participated in because I've not opened my mouth. And she'll sit there and she'll look at me and she goes, so what are you thinking? I said, you didn't hear anything I just said? No, because I haven't opened my mouth. I haven't communicated. All right? I just, I just, you just wind it in your head. You just keep it spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. It. You know? And, and then she's like, so? Oh, <laughs> you're sitting next to me. Sorry. Uh, and then I, I tell her what's going on. Yeah, I tell her what's going on. And I say, hey, this is what we got. Do you know that the word Lord 
in the Bible is mentioned over 6,200 times. Lord. And the actual Greek, or not Greek, the actual Hebrew term into that is Yahweh, which is the proper noun of the Lord. But it refers to one who is possess, possesses of absolute control. It denotes master and ruler of his subjects. And it was such a revered word that the Hebrew people actually replaced it with a word called Adon uh, or Adonai. And if you remember Amy, Amy Grant's song, Adonai, age to age, he's still the same, Adonai. Okay? Because, I mean, even saying Yahweh was like, well, don't even say Yahweh. It's just such a holy name. He's such a revered God. We can't even really say his name, so we're going to say Adonai. Lord, the Lord, he's still the same, age to age. In John 9, 35 and 38, and all of these scriptures are in this week's reading, folks. So if you've read this week, these scriptures were in there. You can go back and catch it if you missed it. But in John 9, 35 and 38, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he? The man said. Tell me so that I can believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him, and in fact, he is the one speaking to you. And the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. I believe, and I'm going to worship you. This is the man who was blind. Jesus spit in the mud, healed him. He went to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are like, this didn't really happen. He's like, I can see. All right. And, and he comes back to Jesus and he says, I believe and I'm going to worship you. You are Lord, meaning you are going to rule over me. You're going to dictate what I do every day. And what I do every day is going to be done for you. David finishes it off in Psalms 113, which is within our reading. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, you servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Praise the Lord. We were singing just earlier, and I was like, let's not stop that song. Let's just keep singing it. You know, that last song that Wayne was, I'm just like, praise the God. Praise, oh, praise. When are we going to just praise God all day long instead of being worried about going to the Capitol Club and this and that and we're running all over the place. We're taking kids to soccer practice, basketball practice, baseball practice. When are we going to take them to church? You know, I've, I've petitioned for a long time and some of you sports people probably won't like me on this one. But I've always wanted to go to the school board and ask for Wednesdays to be sacred again. Because there was a time where Wednesdays were sacred and nothing was ever planned in the school system on a Wednesday. As far as, because Wednesday nights when you had youth group. You know? And right now, we're at a youth. They're track and field on Wednesday, softball, baseball, 
you know, during the wintertime, it's basketball. And, and I'm not saying basketball and track and all those things are bad. I'm saying we're teaching our kids misplaced priority because we're not teaching them God first. I always tell the story of my friend Kevin Ramsey, who played football at Indiana State University. He sat out a semester because when he became a Christian, he said he couldn't play football anymore because he was playing football to hurt people. And he had to learn how to play hard for God and give 100% for God and not play to hurt people. So he stepped back, and then he ended up playing a short time in the NFL. And God blessed his career the second half of it. And now he's still coaching today. But he walked away from football for a while. And he told coach Sunday, you know, on Sunday mornings, they had, you know, video, uh, in college, you had video. You got to watch video of the last game and stuff. He says, coach, I can't be there. I got to be in church. And coach said, okay. How many coaches would do that and not let you? You know, and he's like, Coach, I'll play football for you, but Sundays are God's. I'm giving it to God on Sunday. You know, are we willing to do that? Are you willing to be that radical for God where you'll even change your job or your career options so that you have the opportunity to be here and worship? You know, one of the, it's been something that's haunted me my, my entire ministry career, being in jobs that keep on having me work on Wednesday nights, and I finally... After all this time, I get to do Wednesday nights, and they gave me Wednesday nights off. You know, God made it possible, so I got Wednesday nights off so I can be here. Because I've been looking for another job. I told them, I said, I can't keep working Wednesday nights. You guys told me I wouldn't have to work Wednesday nights, and all I've done is work Wednesday nights. And it, it cost me a youth ministry job where I was at because they were paying me to, you know, not be there. You know, my job was keeping me away, so I had to step down. And then... I took this one when they said I could have Wednesday nights off and they honored it. You know, otherwise I'd still be looking for another job. You know, because I can't work Wednesday nights and be a minister. It's not going to happen. I got to be here. You know, and it's not an I gotta, it's I wanna. I wanna be here. Do you want to be here? Do you want to be here on Sunday mornings? A lot of times you look at the watch and say, I'm going to sleep in today. Maybe I'll watch online because I don't want to get up today. And we like the fact that you watch online, but we'd rather have you here. You know the problem, and it's going to be summed up. I've been reading a book by Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel wrote the book Case for Christ, uh, where he went in and uh, basically took a, uh, he was an atheist that took an approach to uh, disproving the Bible and, and so forth and ended up becoming a Christian in the process and, and turning his life over to God. He was like a, a trial lawyer, reporter type guy. And, I mean, he just dissected and interviewed people and went all over the place. And this is, this is, this interview here he does uh, in the recent book that I'm reading. Uh, he's talking to uh, Tom Doyle, who, uh, has some really long title of master of 500 things. This guy's been around. This guy has done six, this Tom Doyle guy has done 60 tours to the Holy Land. All right, so he's interviewing this guy about Muslims converting to Christianity. All right, and in this interview, I think it's an indictment on us of how we are, or at least how I am. But he's talking about all these Muslims who are coming to faith in Jesus in the Middle East. Uh, so he's talking to him. He says, no question, 
A Muslim who comes to faith in the Middle East is exposing himself to possible rejection, beatings, imprisonment, and even death. This isn't for the faint of heart. This isn't, and this is this is this this kills me. This statement kills me. This isn't casual Christianity. And what we saw on the screen today was casual Christianity. We live through life and expect God to be with us instead of living for God and being with Him. Casual Christianity. That just, if that doesn't rip your heart out, nothing will. I mean, that just tears me up that I could be part of casual Christianity. Yeah. I hate it, and hate's a strong one. I, I, I have a problem when I'm talking with the youth and I say, how's your faith going at school? And they're like, it's going great. Nobody ever says anything about me going to church. And, and I'm like, you know, the Bible says anyone who lives a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Let's say that again. Anybody who lives a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. So let me ask you, are you being persecuted today? Think about it. Are you being persecuted? I'm not saying go out and look for trouble and throw rocks at somebody and say, you're going to go to hell. You know, no. I'm, I'm saying, are you standing up for God wherever you're at? Are you standing up for God wherever you're at and risking losing your job because you pray for somebody and your boss doesn't want you to? Or somebody says that, you know, you can't say Merry Christmas. You, uh, you know, have to say Happy Holidays. And guess what? That doesn't happen. I'm not saying Happy Holidays. I'm saying Merry Christmas. I'm not taking Christ out of Christmas. And you shouldn't either. All right? You know, but people are going to ask you to do things you shouldn't do. When I, was, when I was really hot for the Lord in my college days... I would go to work, and my challenge of the employees was, we're going to get Albert the cuss by the end of a shift. We're going to get him so upset that he's going to cuss. It's not going to... Okay, number one, you told me, so that just makes it easier to resist. But, uh, casual Christianity. Wow. It's ironic I said that in America we see a proliferation of shallow commitments to Christ because of cultural Christianity that hasn't revolutionized the person's soul. Wow. Does our faith in Christ revolution somebody else's soul? Are, we, are people seeing Jesus in us and what we do? I probably went a little bit longer than I should and I apologize, but... You know, are, are we here to learn more about God or are we here to put in our time and punch a time clock and said, I paid my church time, now I get to go watch basketball or go watch the Indy 500 or Daytona or uh, I'm going to run off and eat with a bunch of people or what? You know, how many times do we get done with church and everybody bolts? I'm out of here. And I'm usually like one of the last people to leave. I'm just like, I want to talk to people. I like going over here hugging Janet and Roger and... I'm a people person, maybe. I don't know, maybe you're not. But, you know, if you read Acts, they got together every day and broke bread and shared with one another everything they had in common. Is that not a beautiful sight? In a world of hate 
in a world of selfishness, a world that wants you to debate you to the edge of sin every single day. And we can be here right now and just love one another and hug one another. Alice, I just want to hug you right now. I, got, I, I just want to hug Alice. Me. Oh, I was just looking at Alice and I said, hug her. Okay. So it comes down to, it comes down to this. Are you living for Jesus? Are you living for Jesus? Have you committed your life to Jesus? Have you been obedient and followed it up with baptism? Have you given your life to Christ and said, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Or, you know, maybe you're like me and you're in that stage that I went through where, you know, I was really hot for God and then I was really cold for God and and now God's drawing me back in. Are, Are you in that cold spot where you're like, this whole God stuff. I don't know. Do you need prayer for that? We'd love to pray for you. If you haven't given your life to Christ, please come up, talk to Pastor Jeff, myself, any of the deacons, anybody really. There's a lot of people in here you can talk to. You know, we'd love to talk to you about giving your life to the Lord if you haven't already. And if you're struggling, you know, we all struggle. So why not just all come together and pray together? Why can't we pray for one another? You know, I love it when we get together and we put our hands on people and pray for them. That's awesome. Man, that's body. That's unity. That's what we're supposed to do. Are you listening? Let the musicians come back up or whatever we're going to do from the music from here on out. And if you have a need, whether you want to give your life to Christ or whether you just need prayer or you want prayer for somebody, maybe there's somebody in your life you want to pray for. Uh, Come up and do that at this time. Please stand.
preaching that, a Mercy Me song came on my heart, you know, that he was saying when he was talking about listening. And um, my wife just tried to call me. It says, uh, it says, I find myself at a loss for words, and the funny thing is it's okay. The last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear what you would say. Word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty. Be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay in your rest, in your holiness, word of God speak. And I think God speaks a lot to us, and, and, and we don't listen to that. And, and I think that when we listen to it, or we listen, we hear what God has to say, but we think, well, that he must be talking to someone else, because that's not what I was looking to hear. But when we hear what he has to say and we apply that to our lives, man, great things happen for Christ. If you would, go ahead and hold your hands together. And we are going to do bind us together. Albert and Christy, I'm going to ask them to go towards the back.